Good evening. A special thank you to Mr. Jeffrey Fried for sponsoring tonight's cheer. He's doing so in honor of his grandparents, Abe and Dali Fried and Al and Florence yeah. Bayer. Their neshama should have an aliyah. The title that was on the email that went out is not the same title you'll find on the source sheets. This is not a bait and switch. The, uh, the topic that went out was infusing life into our Vodas Hashem. This is very connected. And with Hashem, we're going to explore that topic uh, by itself. But this is really part of that broader discussion, which is the, the notion of simcha, joy in our tefillah, the power of simcha in our tefillos. We have an uh, interesting halacha. Torah says that if you lend somebody money and you're really not sure if they're able to pay back, you're able to take collateral. You could take something that belongs to them. However, if the person doesn't have much and you're taking a jacket or a blanket, <clears throat> although you're allowed to do so, because that's the only thing he has to cover his body, and if you don't give it back to him before the evening, how is he going to sleep? He's going to be cold. You have to give it back to him. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, if you don't give it back, and he cries out to me, I will listen to him. Why? Because I'm compassionate. Okay, it makes sense. Hashem is teaching us to be gracious, even in the situation where you're the one that owes me money. I'm taking collateral just to make sure that I get that money back. Nonetheless, you always have to be concerned for the welfare of the other. Give him back his baggage, give the blanket back so he could sleep and be warm during the night. And if you don't, and he cries out to me, I'm going to listen, ki ani, because I am compassionate. The Adaris Eliyahu, right, the more well-known Adaris Eliyahu, was written by the Gro. There's a different sefer entitled the Adaris Eliyahu that was written by the Benish Chai. And I want to share with you the comment of the Benish Chai on this Pasuk. Explains the Benish Chai what's so powerful about this particular tefillah. If the guy doesn't get his clothing back and he's cold throughout the night and he can't sleep and he cries out to Hashem, why is Hashem guaranteeing the fact that he'll listen to him? Explains the Benish Chai, we know that davening has to be with joy. And if a person is able to, to develop that sense of joy and, and gratitude within the tefillah, then his prayer will be accepted. And what the Pasuk is teaching us is, If this person cries out to me, I'm going to accept his prayer because I'm compassionate. What's so strange about this particular interpretation of the Ben Yishchai is that it doesn't seem to fit at all in the context of the Pasuk. Why is this person crying out to Hashem? The language of Tzaoka means you're, you're crying out. And in this context, he would be crying out 
as a source of pain and despair. I have nothing. I owe this person money. He, he has my blanket. I'm freezing. I can't sleep. You're crying out to Hashem. And the Ben Ishchai says, the reason why that tefillah can be so powerful is if he cries out besimcha. Why in the world do we assume he's crying out besimcha? He's not in a good mood right now. He's miserable. And the truth is, there's a similar question one could ask on the Nefesh HaChaim. The Nefesh HaChaim, the Sefer from Rechaim Velazhin, in the second Shar, he speaks about the different ways of being Mechavein in Tefillah, what to focus on, how to make it more meaningful. The second uh, Eitzah, the suggestion of, of the Nefesh HaChaim in Shar Beis, he says we have to try when we step into the world of tefillah to remove all of our thoughts and distractions of the outside world and the physical pleasures that may be on our mind for most of the day. And I should only look heavenwards. And this is based on the Gemara that says, that one's davening, his heart should be lamala towards heaven. And the goal is to get to a point in my davening where I'm almost being pulled upwards. And here's the key line. To experience a pleasure with Hashem and nothing else through the words that I'm expressing in my prayer. I remove everything else. I'm, I'm compelled towards the Ruchnias, towards Hashem, where the only thing I'm experiencing in this state of mind is the Tanug al Hashem, my pleasure, my owning with Hashem, with every word of tefillah. Now, much of tefillah is not only an expression of gratitude and praising Hashem. And thanking Hashem, but a lot of tefillah is, is bakasha, where I'm requesting, I'm pleading, I'm begging. Right? There are so many people that I know who need to be healed, and I'm davening for them. There are so many people that we know that, that need Yeshuos and Nechamos, and that's such a major part of our tefillah. But the Nefesh Chaim is saying that my goal in my, my connection with tefillah is that I'm getting oneg with every word. How do I get oneg and pleasure when I'm focusing on so many people who are in so much need? So the first issue we have to explore is how do we understand the Ben Chai? That the power of the tefillah when he cries out because he has nothing. That's when he cries out from a place of simcha. Why in the world would he be besimcha? And in a similar vein, understanding the nefesh achayim. How do we have oneg and pleasure in every word of tefillah if much of what we're davening for is very painful? Sometimes, and I've heard this expressed in many different ways and forms throughout the years, depending on where a person's coming from and what stage of life they're in. 
But let's say you have a kid in high school who's going through his struggles and he gets to davening in the morning in 11th, 12th grade and he feels like a total fake. Here I am, I have to put on the garb, but I know what I'm up to. I know what I was involved with last night. I feel like a total faker. Here I am standing before Hashem, I'm davening. What am I davening for? Hashem's going to listen to me. I'm not worthy of, of anything. The Ramban, on the same Pasuk, he focuses on the term ki chanun ani. Hashem says, I am chanun. I'm gracious, I'm compassionate. The Ramban says, the illusion here is that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is telling us, even if this person is crying out when he has nothing, He's Eino Hogun, he's not deserving of any particular schus. Nonetheless, I listen to him. Because I listen to anyone who cries out to me, no matter where you are, no matter where you've been, no matter what you're doing, you don't have to be Zoha for me to listen and to be involved with your tefillah, says Hashem. There is a, a secular professor who met up with the Panovich Rav at an airport in Rome. He recognized the, the famous rabbi from seeing pictures in the newspaper, so he decided to go over to the Panovich Rav and, and say, Shalom Aleichem. And Kedarko, in his way that he very just flowing with love, Panovich Rav responded by giving him a big hug and a kiss. And the professor was a little bit taken aback, a little bit surprised. And he said, Rabbi, if you knew how many sins I commit every day, I don't think you would give me the same hug and kiss. And Nachamul, the Panovich Rav, gave him another big hug and a kiss. And he said back, if you only knew how much Hashem loves you, despite your many sins, you probably wouldn't sin as often. And the professor said, that didn't change my life. I did not become a Baal Tshuva. However, it made me take uh, my Yiddishkeit more seriously. Getting a little bit of a glimpse through this wonderful man into this potential infinite love that's out there. The Ramban is explaining, Kichanu Nani, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is telling us, you don't have to be Roy, you don't have to be on the level to be deserving of any particular schos or bracha. When you call out with sincerity, when there's a tsa'oka, I respond, I listen. There's an interesting pasuk we say in Hallel, where David HaMelech, he says, I love you so much, Hashem, ahavti, ki yishma Hashem mezkoli tachanunoi. I love you, and the simple understanding of this is, I love you because you listen to my pleas. Because you incline your ear towards me when I call out to you. Now it sounds a little bit difficult because it's almost as if David Melech is saying, the reason why I feel this love towards you, Hashem, is because you answer my prayers. And because you come through for me, that's why I love you. It doesn't sound like the highest level of love. 
That's not an ava she'en otoloi b'davar. That sounds it's like it's dependent on the fact that Hashem comes through for you and that's why you love Him. That's a weird thing for David HaMelech to say. Explains the Malbim, that's not what he meant. Ahafti, what do I love? David HaMelech was saying, Ahafti li'ischaneinu li'ispalel Hashem. I love to daven to you, Hashem. Li'ischanein is not just thanking you and praising you, but it's a language of tachanunim. Even when I'm asking from you, I'm pleading. I'm asking you to protect me. I'm asking for Yeshua. But I love doing that. Because Hashem is always listening to my voice. And not only explains the Malbim, is He listening to my voice when I call out, but but I feel that Hashem is leaning in towards me. Meaning to say, even before I call out to you, like the father who's waiting to hear from his only child, maybe he's going to say something. Maybe he's going to ask for something. Because the voice of your child is so sweet to you. David Amalek is telling us, not I love you Hashem because you do great things for me, but Ahafti, I love our connection of tefillah, I love davening to you. Even if I'm davening for painful things, why do I love it? Because I know you're listening, and I know you want to hear my voice. Kihito oznoli. I remember reading an article, there was a mother in her probably late 20s or early 30s, where it, fairly sudden, she had a very difficult time hearing. And friends and family said that when they got to the point of, of shouting her name, even a few feet away, they realized that there was something obviously very serious going on. She ended up going completely deaf. And Baruch Hashem, she managed. And she learned how to read lips. But that was basically her life. She was transitioned into this world where she no longer had the ability to hear. And that was her reality for about 10 years until she had the opportunity of getting a colloquial implant. When the opportunity came her way, she said on one hand, she had a child, a little boy who was eight years old. She said on one hand, I wanted nothing else, nothing more in life than to actually hear the voice of my son. And as soon as I had the opportunity for this procedure, I wanted to, to jump on it. On the other hand, there was a part of me that was a little bit hesitant because I've, in my mind, I've always had his voice in a particular way. I was a little bit nervous to actually hear him speak. It's, it's going to be a shift. It might be different. But with the encouragement of her doctors and her family, she went for it. And she said, the first time that I actually heard the voice of my eight-year-old son, she said, I broke down it was the most beautiful thing I've ever heard in my life. And the Kaddish Baruch Hu tells us this in Shira Shirin. Hashmi'ini es koleich ki koleich orev. I just want to hear your voice. Who? You, Klal Yisrael, every single person, I want to hear your voice. Ki koleich orev. Because it's so sweet to me when you call out. Not just when you're being mishabeach and praising and singing to Hashem, but anything you have to say. Any request, 
any, 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 any form of tachanunim. You're asking for so many things, but, but I want to hear you. Please speak to me. Please share your feelings, share your life, share your heart with me. There's a famous chazal that, that many of us have heard of before, but there's a particular line that we're not so familiar with. The Medrash Rabbah says, we know that the Imahos were Akaros, the Sara, Rivka, Rachel, they all had difficult time conceiving. The reason for that, explains the Medrash Rabbah, was because the Kodesh Baruch who wanted their tefillos. But the way that it says it, Medrash Rabbah, is the Kodesh Baruch Hu Hashem was desirous of their tefillah, and Hashem was desirous of their sicha. What is sicha? Shmuzing, right? HaKadosh Baruch Hu placed the imahos into this overwhelming nisoyim, where they wanted nothing more in life than to be able to have children and to build Klal Yisrael. They knew what was at stake. They wanted to participate in the destiny of the Jewish people. And they had years of suffering, of agony. HaKadosh Baruch Hu's misavelet filoson u Hashem wants to hear the tefillah. But not just your prayer, your sicha. Speak to me. Just reach out to me in your own words. Be creative. It doesn't have to be from the siddur. I want to hear your tefillah, but I want to hear your sicha. Ki Because Lemaisa, your voice is so pleasant. Right? It's hearing that eight-year-old child for the first time. That, so to speak, gives us an insight into the taiva, the desire that the, the Boreolam has to hear us. How is it possible to be in a state of joy as you're crying out to Hashem because you're in so much pain? How is it possible that Ben Ishchai is understanding the Pasuk, the person, if he doesn't get back his, uh, his blanket and he's cold and he can't sleep, V'yitzak Eli, that's B'simcha, it's B'simcha, then I'm going to accept the tefillah. How is that B'simcha? I think the basic idea is that it's possible to be in a lot of pain and you might even be going through a very torturous time in life, it doesn't take away the feeling of simcha if we define simcha correctly. We spoke about this a few weeks ago during the drasha. Simcha doesn't mean that I'm always in a good mood, but it means there's a feeling of, of I'm satisfied, I'm content. Why am I content? I might be lacking basic necessities. I'm freezing and I can't go to sleep. What's the source of my satisfaction? Because I know that you're here with me and you want to hear me, you want me to reach out to you. That means there's a relationship. That means there's an ongoing Kesher. The way the Nesiva Sholem describes this, he says that Simcha comes from the understanding that I know you, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, are with me and guiding me, and you want to hear me, you want to connect with me at every moment of my life. And, 
even if it's a time when I'm falling and I'm not the person I want to be, I'm not the father I thought I could be, I'm not the wife that I feel I should be, and there's a tishtus ha-moach v'alev, there's this blockage, there's a numbness, where I'm just not, I'm not in touch with, with the, the, the life that, that, that I want to be part of. But I still feel and I believe that a Kaddish Baruch Hu is with me. That's, that's simcha. I might be in a lot of pain, but I could also experience simcha. Real despair, real depression explains the Nesiv Shalom is hargoshes habedidus be'es tzara, the feeling of being isolated, of being alone, during a time of distress. If I don't really feel that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is with me, then there's an atzvus, there's a real despair. But if HaKadosh Baruch Hu is here, and I feel that Hashem wants me to connect with Him, and He wants to hear my voice, because HaKadosh Baruch Hu feels it so sweet, so then there could be a simcha, even though there's a pain. The story that I've told before, but I think it really illustrates this point so accurately. I'm not going to mention which one of my kids because when I mentioned the story before, they didn't appreciate it. So I'm not going to say any names or genders. A child of mine, when they were about four years old, they were walking out of the early childhood. Right? I was waiting in carpool, and I'm there in the line. I see the child walk out, and as they're walking, they trip and they, they skin their knee. And they start, you could tell they're, they're, in, they're in discomfort. But no tears. They were holding it back. Holding it back, holding it together. Picks up the backpack, all is okay. I'm waiting in line. And then as soon as I get there and I pull up and they're about to walk into the car, at that point, when they see me, what happens? They burst into tears. Now, why is that? Right? It sounds so counterintuitive. Up until now, you were in a lot of pain, and you didn't have your father there to comfort you. And now, Tati's here. Why do you start crying right here and now? Because now I feel comfortable to express myself. When I'm just around my teachers, and the Mora and the other kids, then I gotta be macho. I have to hold it together. Because I don't feel comfortable. I can't be vulnerable. I can't allow my real feelings to come out. Once my tati's here and I get into the car, then I can feel the pain. But as you're feeling that pain, there's also a sense of simcha because I feel the closeness of my father at the same time. And it's not a contradiction, right? They actually enhance each other. There's a beautiful piece from Shimshon Pincus when he speaks about the whole necessity of tefillah. Right? We spend so much time every day in davening. And he mentions the Gemara in Shabbos. Gemara in Shabbos has a phrase which superficially it almost sounds like it's putting down the importance of tefillah. It refers to the learning of Torah as chayi olam, as eternal life, but yet it refers to davening as chayesha. Chayesha means temporary life. 
So, understood in a somewhat superficial way, it sounds like from the Gemara, Tfilah is chayisha, it's more about this world, you daven because you need things, but Torah is chayolam, that's eternity, that's the next world. Explains of Shimshon Pincus. The reason why the Gemara refers to davening as chayisha is because tefillah he etzim machius shela odem bolamaza. It doesn't mean it's a mundane pursuit or it's a trivial activity. You're just davening for things you need right here and now. But it's the life of a human being in this world. Chayesha means this is my source of life every single day. It's the natural relationship that I have with the Kaddish Baruch Hu, who is the Mekorachai, who is the source of life. Tfilas Chayesha, because this is the oxygen we need to keep on going every moment of our existence. It's the ongoing reminder that we have this relationship with Hashem, and Hashem is there with us, wanting to hear us call out to Him. That's what I think is going on in the Ben Ishchai. The Ben Ishchai is saying, when this person cries out, although he's in pain, and he feels like he has nothing, and he has no idea how he's ever going to pay back the loan, and he doesn't have a blanket, but if he cries out, Besimcha, with the deep understanding that Hashem is right there with him, wanting to hear his voice, then, Shemati ki ani, I'm going to listen to him, because I'm gracious. There's a... Uh, it's hard, because we daven every single day, and it becomes just something we do, it's hergal, it's automatic, but the ability of finding pleasure in the davening, even if I'm not relating to every single word that I'm saying, even if I don't have a beautiful interpretation of every phrase in the bracha or in the particular tefillah that I'm in, but what the nefesh shachayim means is we're trying to get to a point where there's a tanug, there's a pleasure in every word of tefillah, because I understand that as I'm, as I'm expressing myself, either through the Siddur itself, that's Tfilosan, or in my own words, that's Sichosan, I know Hashem is right there with me, wanting, wanting to hear my voice, wanting to connect with me. This is the pleasure that's out there. It takes a focus, it's a, it's a little bit of a paradigm shift, but yes, even when we're davening and pleading for something that we or somebody else needs desperately, we do so besimcha. Because the undercurrent of simcha is just a recognition that a Kaddish Baruch Hu is always there with us. Shkoyach.